Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. With the madness of March now officially upon us, the West Virginia Mountaineers hope to continue to be part of that madness of March, and there's reason for optimism right now. Will their bubble get popped? Or will they be able to take that bubble and sail into the NCAA tournament? I'm Mike Oste. I am joined by our Ethan Bach here of WV Sports Now. And we're going to kind of touch base because the men's basketball team has a break. They're off. They finally get to breathe a sigh of relief. And we're going to talk about where they stand right now on the NCAA tournament bubble. What they need to do moving forward. The Big 12 tournament coming up. And then their outlook for the NCAA tournament also coming up and very very soon i might out again ethan bach mike Osti. so ethan west virginia right now stands in a pretty prime position you wrote about it they're looking like they're going to get in the tournament kind of regardless of what happens although they never can totally be too calm as you know they get the win over iowa state on the road it's a road big 12 win only their second no one predicted they were going to win that game really certainly even weeks ago when everyone was talking about what they need to do that was one of those you figure they're going to lose regardless of the last matchup. It's Big 12 on the road. It hasn't been kind to West Virginia. They get the win, but they also had lost to Texas Tech at home. Right before that, the middle there includes a loss to Kansas on the road, which, again, everyone figured. As we're speaking now, you have the home finale, regular season finale at home at the Coliseum against Kansas State, a team that they felt like they should have beat before mentally collapsed. Let that one get away. Kansas State has been really, really good since, though. They could be another top 15 victory for West Virginia this year as they continue to stack quad one wins. It now appears like they're sitting pretty uncomfortable to get in the NCAA tournament, at least get in, as Joe Lenardi has them right now as a 10 seed, and they're in that last four by column. But could anything screw that up? Is that really the situation? How comfortable are the Mountaineers right now on the tournament bubble after the win of Iowa State with one more regular season game in front of them and then the Big 12 tournament coming up? I think the Mountaineers should be really confident right now. Um, I think they could lose out and there's still a chance to make the tournament just because of how weak the bubble is. Obviously, next week with conference tournaments, you could easily have mid-majors and low-majors stealing bids uh, to take away from West Virginia's at-large bid. But as long as West Virginia doesn't lose by 30 points to Kansas State on Saturday and 30 points to whoever they play in the first round next week, right. they should they should be all right. They, worst case scenario, I think they play in Dayton if they lose and, both games. And that is because of the Iowa State victory and how big that was, especially the way they won that, having to come back, showing mental strength, which many of us questioned throughout the season, especially with the Jose Perez decision not going their way, the 0-5 losing streak in the beginning of conference play and just kind of this roller coaster ride. The second people again brought back the criticism of this is a mentally weak team. They're going to collapse. They were leading most of that game. Iowa State went on a run, looked like they were going to get the win. They needed the win too. West Virginia then barrels back wins without Trey Mitchell, with Eric Stevenson sitting out towards the end. Nothing made sense for how they got that win, but yeah, it might not be true in terms of the ranking of the team that they beat, but because of what it could do for the program, as you mentioned, slide them in regardless of what happens. 
biggest win of the year, especially for how they won it. But is their comfortable position because of that win? Say they lost that game, where would West Virginia be right now? Yeah, it's easily because of the Iowa State win. Uh, this team now has a lot of momentum going for them. I mean, they blew out Oklahoma State by 20 points, yeah, lost to yeah. Kansas off of one turnover at the end of the game. Uh, they could have took it to overtime. Um, and then the Iowa State win, like you said, I don't, I really don't know how West Virginia won. Like, there, yeah, there yeah. were certain rotations in the game in the final five minutes where, like, I question, I really did question Bob Huggins, but. I think everybody did. I, I was getting yeah. messages privately and publicly and everyone talking about it. Why is Eric Stevens not out there? Because he actually has been scoring and playing well recently. He's once again feeling like the team leader. It never was fully cleared up, but they went small. And maybe they're going to go small again. But it worked out. Yeah. Emmett's, Emmett Matthews running the five. I mean, he, he was the biggest yeah. part of that win. Him and Joe Toussaint. Um, Kijun Johnson had a nice game as well. The West Virginia playing small just it really it it has worked miracles the last two games and <laughs> the fact that they won a game in a hostile environment like Hilton Coliseum is yeah only two teams have won there prior to West Virginia this season so best win of the year it wouldn't it wouldn't say metrically but that is their best win of the year because if they lost that game they they would they would definitely be needing a win on Saturday or next week in Kansas City. Yeah, especially when you factor in the Texas Tech loss at home. I kind of do feel like if they would have beat Texas Tech, and it feels like they're going to be left out of the tournament now, if they if they would have beaten Texas Tech at home, and Texas Tech is, you know, it's a big 12. It's not like they're a bad team, but it was in West Virginia. They were favored. And then West Virginia loses a close game against Kansas. Final possession clearly was a screw-up, but still, it's a close game against Kansas. You don't figure to win that either. And then lost to Iowa State in a close game, even though they didn't win because it was a road game and they are in the top 25. Lenardi probably would maybe have them in the same situation they are now because, again, in the past, and we'll get to this later, they have moved up off of computer rankings. So had they beaten Texas Tech, I feel like that could have maybe happened again where maybe they actually would have moved up or still stay in the same position despite a close road loss on the road in a tough place to play. But because they lost to Texas Tech at home, they needed something else to happen. Like they needed something else to build that resume. And whether it be probably beat Iowa State on the road like they did, or you mentioned just not getting blown out to Kansas State now to stay where they are and get in the tournament. If they would have lost to Iowa State, still had that, that Texas Tech loss at home recently and had the Kansas loss, you got to eventually get to a certain win total and do it well. So they probably would have needed to beat Kansas State at home comfortably by at least 10 points, even though that's still a top 15 team you're playing. So now, again, as we mentioned, you don't have to have that mess go on mentally. It allows this team to calm, I feel like, maybe play a little more free, maybe less stressed out because they feel like they kind of were stressed for a while and keep a hot streak going. And this is when you want to get hot. you got to hope if you're a West Virginia fan, though, that the, this long break doesn't cool them off because they were in basically – playoff mode for the two last two and a half months without much of a break in, until right now. Ethan Bach, Mike Osta here, WV Sports Now, as we're talking bubble for the Mountaineers and look like that bubble is going to stay intact and send West Virginia to the tournament. Now, what I do want to bring up before we get to what maybe could upset this Apple card, aside from West Virginia losing or how they would lose in the Big 12 tournament here, I got to mention 
that I also think it's pretty big of Eric Stevenson to kind of take all this in stride. Now, he's played well recently. Earlier in the season, he's a fifth-year senior. He immediately stepped foot on campus and said he wants to be the team leader, wanted to play for hugs. They've developed this kind of father-son relationship where he can say whatever he wants to him, and they can kind of go back at each other, and it's fine. He then kind of lost the leadership role, role with some of his own actions, including against Kansas State earlier in the season. He now has seemingly reclaimed it, Huggins speaking positively again about him. But then, despite scoring recently, to sit out at the end of that game doesn't appear that he's you know seriously hurt or anything. He's going to play moving forward. So if this was Eric Stevenson three months ago, I could have seen him getting upset about that and this kind of unraveling. He's seemingly take, taking that in stride, realizing the mentality of this team and what they needed to get that win and then moving forward. Just any thoughts on the progression of Eric Stevenson? You covered him all year now. It's been kind of a roller coaster ride for this team, but it's almost been a roller coaster ride that kind of goes with the ebbs and flows of Eric Stevenson on and off the floor. Yeah, I think covering Eric Stevenson this season, he's made a lot of strides. He's been consistent all year with his play, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but just him as a character and just kind of, I don't get a full glimpse of him as a teammate, but uh, he has made strides. And Bob Huggins said it last week that he is now a better teammate. Uh, yeah. He's less unselfish. So, I mean, yeah, it didn't. he didn't seem irritated at – not playing no, no. the final couple minutes, although he did come in and hit, he hit a big free throw, yeah. extend it, uh, extend the lead in the final seconds. So, but that's, that kind of is also what calmed down. Cause there's a lot of chatter on Twitter of if he's in Huggins doghouse, everyone always goes in that direction, especially after what Huggins did say the game prior. I was there too, when he mentioned that he's matured and it kind of lets you, your mind wander. Cause we're not always obviously there as much as say Huggins would know these guys. You only get what they tell you and what you can, observe and what they allow you to observe that okay was there some question of eric stevenson as a teammate months ago we've seen the up and down as a leader was there a question because huggins is saying it's now fine like when was it not fine so maybe he's back in the doghouse or something happened off the floor or even in the game that we're not aware of but then when he eventually came back in it almost was like huggins made a point i got to get him back in here before we're at triple zeros and then he did hit a big shot at the end so that kind of calmed down but yeah a lesser man would have, regardless of the situation, would have said, hey, if I'm the best player and I'm the team leader, how how the hell am I not even out here? Even if I'm a screen player, I got to at least be having my feet on the floor. Didn't seem to be a problem for him. Yeah, still finished 23 points, 8 of 17 right. shooting. So I really don't think he's too affected by it. He played no. a great game. <laughs> and they won the game, so that's all he cares about. Yeah, and you also got to give it up to him. Ever since he talked and kind of, for lack of a better description, kind of, complained about the situation with the big 12 being so rough and other conferences say the ACC and others being easier, which is the something that the committee and the computers they're well aware of, which is why you're in similar seat situations for teams that have easier schedules, even if they have better records. But ever since then he has stepped up. He has, he has been lights out in terms of as an offensive player since then they haven't won every game, but he's scored and, giving you 20 plus in pretty much every game. So you got to give it to him there that if you're going to talk, you got to back it up. And he's been able to talk the talk and walk the walk most of this year. Now seemingly again, as a leader of the Mountaineers. Now, Ethan, this team is in a situation where it looks like they're going to get in the NCAA tournament. And if we were speaking a week ago, we maybe would have thought they were going to miss out on the NCAA tournament because the vibes were so bad after the Texas tech loss. If we were talking a week before that, 
it seemed like they were definitely going to get in the NCAA tournament. And the Big 12 is so brutal, everyone knows that. What are your thoughts on the outlook possibility for the Mountaineers going into the Big 12 tournament? Because this is a tournament that, yeah, people are going to point to Kansas, Baylor as teams that could easily win this tournament. But I don't think anyone would be blown away if not even just West Virginia, but somebody else, a bottom feeder team, a Texas Tech, Oklahoma, et cetera, would go on a deep run. And as you talked about, the only thing that could really upset West Virginia being so comfortable is if somebody snags a bid that was not going to get in otherwise, because there's only so many teams that can get in. What's the Mountaineers' outlook and prospects going into this Big 12 tournament? Is there a path that would not surprise you that they actually could win the Big 12 tournament? And is there something that could happen in the tournament that regardless of what West Virginia does could actually screw things up for the Mountaineers? I think the biggest thing about Saturday's game against K-State is it's not, they're not playing for tournament seedings. Um, right. To me, at least, I think it's more important that they get the seven seed in the Big 12 tournament. The path is there. If West Virginia wins on Saturday and Oklahoma State loses on Saturday, West Virginia will be the seven seed and they'll most likely play Oklahoma, who's a who's a dead team. They're a dead horse. They they really have nothing to play for at this point. Yeah. Um, and if Kansas can lock up the one seed and West Virginia is the seven seed, West Virginia will avoid Kansas. You don't want to play Kansas in Kansas City. I would rather have the Mountaineer <laughs> right. team play Texas right. or Baylor second round if if they yeah. beat Oklahoma. Um and with Texas and Austin keeping all their starters in as they're up 35 points, I think I think some players on this team aren't going to forget that. So there's going to be a chip on their shoulder. And there could be a chip playing Jalen Bridges. Some of these guys haven't weren't teammates with him, but there there's more momentum, there's more, there's more motivation playing Texas and Baylor than I think yeah. a Kansas yeah. uh, in Kansas City at least. So there's a path for the Mountaineers to win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament. Um, especially if they can get, especially if they can get the win on Saturday and keep the momentum going. Cause if they, if they win on Saturday, they're getting hot at the right time. Where do you think they actually could take themselves seed wise? Say they're an NCAA tournament team and they actually go all the way to the final game or something crazy happens in the big 12 tournament or somehow go on a Cinderella story and really win the big 12 tournament because they're playing well enough. Now they could get that red hot, even though they were inconsistent earlier in the season right now, they're a 10 seed. It feels like nine has been the highest Lenardi has really ever put them since November with how inconsistent they've been once the calendar year moved to 2023. But if they somehow would claim the Big 12 title, as surprising as that would be, where could they move themselves? I think if, I think if West Virginia just – if they get the 20 wins by Selection Sunday, they're a sixth seed. And I think that's at the worst. If say, wow. they, say they won – say they won – they have to win four games next yeah. week. So that would be – that'd be 21 wins. Who knows what happens Saturday. But you have 21, 22 wins. That's a – that arguably could be a five seed, four seed, because they're going to have to beat. They'll have to beat Kansas or a Texas or a TCU, a Baylor. They're going to have to beat two really good teams that are arguably one or two seeds. So, I mean, I, their peak is a four to six seed if the, if they win a few games next week in Kansas City. Yeah, and that seems insane to think about. We're talking ten seed realistically, nine seed at best, and then all of a sudden in a week they could move themselves to a four seed, which would be funny in a way, Ethan, because the way they were playing out of conference, 
what people thought of this team once they got together because of all the transfers, the experience, how it seemed like they were all gelling together. That's the conversation back then. Well, okay, they should be a four seed. They're probably a four seed team. This conference is so tough. They're going to lose some games. But if you get some big wins, maybe four, three, if somehow you win those, you're a two seed. Like that's the conversation in December. They went on the 0 for 5 skid, but they still have gotten so many big wins and they have so many in front of them still in the conference tournament. That's almost like the the devil's advocate situation, the double-edged sword of playing in a conference this hard. You're going to lose more games than other teams you think you're better than. But if you win enough, you're still going to get in the tournament. You're still going to get respected with a seed line. And if you actually go through your conference tournament, that's going to provide you quad one quality wins that are also going to advance you even further. It's just that weird season we're, we're experiencing right now. Yeah, West Virginia's resume is one of the most unique situations I think anybody's seen in college <laughs> yeah. basketball with March Madness. I mean, they have yeah. they had 16 wins. Now they have 17. But, I mean, even last week with 16 wins, Lenardi had them in. Yeah. So, and they're 5-12 five, they're five and 12 in quad one games. I mean, it doesn't look good to a, like a casual fan on paper. Uh, but five quad one wins is really good. And then Mountaineers have one loss from quad two to quad four. So that, that's that that's really good. They have no bad losses. There's nothing that can hurt their resume. As all the computers and metrics would say that they have all bad they have all quality losses. So none of yeah, their losses, yeah. none of their losses really they count, but they they really don't affect the Mountaineers as much as they would affect another team in another conference. Yeah, and that's because the Big 12 is so insane, so much so that Bob Huggins, a man who's coached for 40 years and is a basketball Hall of Famer, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, that this year's Big 12 is the toughest conference he's experienced. That would then include the stacked Big East with 16 teams that he actually won and went on to go to the Final Four. Sounds wild to say because that became a documentary for crying out loud in fact several of them including espn's 30 for 30 writing on that and yet you look at it in terms of tournament teams in terms of rankings in terms of computer rankings if you compare to what it would have been back then to now in terms of quad one versus quad two and how many quad one teams are there and quad one wins could exist this year it's right it's true I don't know yeah. if anyone's. I don't think ESPN's going to be putting together a thirty for thirty on this Big Twelve season, but you know, I don't know if the storylines are, are there like they were. But it, it just it does lend itself to that argument, which is just so freaking insane. Ethan Bach, Mike Austin here, we're talking the Mountaineers on the bubble, as it feels like right now, as we're speaking. West Virginia is going to be part of the NCAA tournament, and this team, to me, because I was always asked this too, always felt good enough to be an NCAA tournament team like in terms of quality of play and we're going to get to the debate that exists now on how the system is 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 done the NET the computer rankings everything you just alluded to there if that's the right way for college basketball to continue on because there are some teams that have really really solid records that the conference isn't getting respect and they're getting hurt by computer rankings and seed line while West Virginia is benefiting despite losing games and 13 losses even if they stand there, would be a pretty high number for a tournament team in general, let alone you're telling me they can go to a four seed with 13 losses. Like that would be just an anomaly of a year I don't think you'll see again. So we'll get to that conversation here in a moment. But you're looking at this team, you're looking at the way they're built, you're looking at how good they could be. Trey Mitchell got hot recently. Eric Stevenson has really been hitting his stride. 
They do have some injuries maybe to deal with. Emmett Matthews really is a big piece for this team. It feels like they're finally gelling. They know what to do. They have a system now. Maybe they're going to go small, but even if they go big regardless, what's the prospect of this team in March Madness? Like how far can this team go realistically based on what could be the case, based on possible matchups, the way they're playing? I mean, everyone seems to say, well, they could lose right away or go on a Dark Horse Elite 8 Sweet 16 run. Is that where you are? And just how does that work? Because it's just two polar opposite possibilities. Yeah, it just depends on the matchup. It depends on what West Virginia's seed is. Uh, I think they'll be more favorable as a 7 seed or a 10 seed or 11 seed or a 12 seed because they're going to be playing teams that <laughs> are honestly on the same talent level as West Virginia the first round. So right. um, if not, West Virginia could have more talent. It's just, it's just based off of, again, their – Big 12 play, just all those, all all the quality, all the quality losses. But West Virginia's, West Virginia is really built for March Madness. I mean, you need good guard play. West Virginia has three guards that can give you double figure scoring: Kedrian Johnson, Eric Stevenson, Joe Toussaint. Um, and then they have good wing players like Emmett Matthews, Trey Mitchell. So they have guys at each at each position that can that can give you 10, 10 15 points a game. So West Virginia's built for March Madness. I'm a little worried about their depth just off of uh, losing yeah. Muhammad Wagi. Uh, James Okongo is banged up now. So West Virginia's got to be – they're going to have to be forced to play small and have Jimmy Bell as your one big man. But like I said, West Virginia wins on Saturday. You keep that momentum going. This team really – this team could go on a Sweet 16 run. With, with, the, with the guards that they have, they could go on a Sweet 16 run. Yeah, and it really would be – Really bizarre. That's the word for a team that started 0 for 5 in conference play to get to the Sweet 16. I think we got to look that one up if that's ever happened. <laughs> so that would be the situation for West Virginia. But yeah, it depends on matchups. Maybe they're forced into going small, and maybe it's a benefit for the team. Maybe it should have happened a while ago, but Wagi was playing well and certainly was a piece for this team. Who knows about how long he'll be out. Now, the style of play in the NCAA tournament, Ethan, is seemingly different than the regular season. It always been his, uh, historically. Is there a player on this team? Is it, I guess, Eric Stevenson or somebody else that could be that guy to carry this team through a couple games? Because when West Virginia's had deep runs in the tournament, despite being solid team units, They've had Deshaun Butler kind of carry them through. Kevin's pitch snoggle carry them through going further back. Deuce McBride even helping to carry them through. Javon Carter carrying them through to a sweet 16. Can Eric Stevenson or somebody else be that guy if necessary to carry the torch? Because teams that go far in the tournament, as you mentioned, usually it's really a strong guard play. But usually there's one player that a casual fan could even point to and say, okay, he's one of the better players in the country. That's why they're going far. And that player steps up in March. Is there that guy for West Virginia? Can it be Stevenson? Is it somebody else that can actually be a story come March that can carry the Mountaineers in addition to how they play as a team? I've said it all year. If West Virginia makes a tournament, Eric Stevenson has the chance to be that national player storyline. Kind of like, the one that all the casual fans look at when they're watching March Madness and remember him. That that that's the guy I'm talking about. Is yeah? Can he be that guy? Yeah. Yeah, easily. I mean, you've seen you've seen all the 
all the 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 couple thirty point performances he's had, the recent twenty per, uh, point yeah. performances, and then he 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 loves talking trash. It's just that's how his game's built around. That's how yeah. That's how that's that's really how he 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 runs. So and it gives West Virginia that swagger that they've missed for the last couple of seasons. So yeah, Eric Stevenson could be that player for sure. I think another player that could that could be that is Joe Toussaint. He has those games where he'll, he has those games off the bench where he comes off the bench ten minutes left in the first half, and all of a sudden he's got ten points. He's just that perfect spark off the bench that West Virginia also needed last year. So, yeah, I, Eric Stevenson. Eric Stevenson could be a national headline if if West Virginia wins a game or two of March Madness. If he's the national headline, and he probably would be, because I also think you kind of want him to get in the NCAA tournament a little bit for just his personality and see how it's covered nationally. Like, I think Charles Barkley would love talking about Eric Stevenson. I would imagine Eric Stevenson is probably a player that a lot of the – because they switch it up, a lot of the NBA guys who cover the NBA year-round maybe are not as aware of. They get into the NCAA tournament. They join the coverage, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, et cetera. And they start learning these guys almost on the fly. It's just reality. They admit it. And I think they're going to love Eric Stevenson. He's going to be that player that's going to be jawing back and forth, talking back and forth. And I also think that when he gets in the tournament, like he knows how big of a deal it is. He's handing out brackets to, to his team. He wants to get in. I think it almost feels like he's going to try to step up and catch the spotlight, like separate from his point total. He wants this limelight because this is it for his college career. So he is that guy. Could it also maybe be as an unsung story of Eric Stevenson is going to catch the headlines if they do win? Could Trey Mitchell be somebody as well? When West Virginia wins and some of these big wins this year, Trey Mitchell has stepped up. And when they've been cold and on losing streaks, Trey Mitchell has kind of been in the witness protection program. He exploded recently, gave them nothing at Iowa State. And I mean, literally, that was a questionable situation at the end, but he ended up giving them no production. How much of a need is Trey Mitchell to contribute, and can he be that guy as well? Yeah, he easily could be that guy. Uh, he's up there with Stevenson Toussaint uh, on my national national headline list of West Virginia. I feel like we might need you. To, yeah, you might have a whole list but, to put together. For yeah, us, yeah, I mean Trey Mitchell's. I wrote it. I wrote about it last week. He's the he's one of the biggest pieces to this team, obviously. But he's just he's that X factor. If West Virginia, if West Virginia is Trey Mitchell rolling, like the, there's a, there's not many teams that could beat that can beat this team. If you have Stevenson and Mitchell scoring 20 points a game, right. and then you have Emmett Matthews, Keydrian Johnson, Joe Toussaint doing their usual production, this team's hard to beat. Yeah, and Johnson, is, he's put up 20-plus before as well. Like It yeah. could be three guys. I don't know how many points they're going to put up as a team, but right, yeah. Yeah, this team, this team needs Trey Mitchell. Obviously, they won without him scoring a single point against Iowa State, and they were without him in the last 12 minutes, but yeah. They, I mean, you saw against Kane, this team. This team wouldn't have been dribbling down the floor to tie Kansas if Trey Mitchell doesn't score twenty-two points. So, yeah, I mean, he he stepped up big last week. Average twenty-one it, points. So. Is it possibly where Eric Stevenson needs to be West Virginia's best player, and he's most likely to steal the limelight if they go on a run? But if that run takes them beyond, say, the first weekend and they actually make a Dark Horse Sweet 16-plus run, that they then would need Trey Mitchell to step up to join him. Like, is that – you're mentioning him as the X factor. Yeah, they're going to need need all those guys to step up. The five five double-figure scores are going to need all of them to step up. 
Um, I mean, obviously, there's going to be there's going to be a guy that doesn't have a game. Uh, hopefully, for West Virginia, it's not Stevenson or Mitchell, but they're going to need. <laughs> they're like yeah. they're they can't they can't afford to have three of those guys score five points each or just shoot inefficiently. So this team's going to roll off Eric Stevenson. They have the whole year. He's been their vocal leader. Um, according to Huggins, he's a better teammate now. So they need they should roll off Stevenson. <laughs> right, right. What a year it's been for Eric Stevenson personally and, and for this team. It, I don't know about you, but it feels like it's been four seasons. And it's only been about five months of basketball so far, but it's not near over yet. And they're not dead yet, as Huggins has said in the past. And people always throw up the meme from 20 years ago. But, yeah. This team is not dead yet. Ethan Bach, Mike Oski at WV Sports now talking about Mountaineers on the bubble. And it also feels like that if this team would just have, because it could happen, that's been the season, where after a big win and feeling comfortable, the season still putters away and they don't get wins. They still somehow probably still slide in the tournament, but they do nothing in the Big 12 tournament and then they lose right away in the NC tournament, whether they're in the play-in game or in or whatever, it's probably because they go back to missing free throws. And Eric Stevenson in particular has one of those five minute periods where he just can't hit anything. Cause we've seen that recently too. He's been putting up 20 plus, but Ethan, some of those games with 20 plus could have been 30 plus if he didn't have this three and a half minute period where it's, it's like, I almost may, might, might as well be taking the shots because they're not even close to the basket. If that happens, that's going to be a problem for the Mountaineers, but who knows? Cause you figure they're hitting their stride and he's hitting their stride. Now, you mentioned about West Virginia having their swagger back. And it does feel like they kind of have that vibe, the swagger back. They know they should have beat Texas Tech. They now got a big win. They feel like they should have beat Kansas as well. They know how tough this conference has been. Maybe the war of attrition of this conference being so freaking tough will actually send them on a path to really make a run in March because they've faced all good teams all year now for most of the season. But – this is a West Virginia program that has a lot of history behind it, a lot of Mount Rushmore type of players in college basketball or even beyond in all levels of basketball. A couple years since this program has won an NCAA tournament game. It's been a while. It's been since 2018 in which they've actually made a legitimate long run in the tournament, and that was to end the three out of four years in the Sweet 16. It's obviously been since 2010 for this program to be in the final four and back when I was in college, the date myself. So what kind of pressure exists? It's hard to put all that on these players, of course, because they're mostly transfers, the, the main contributors, but on Huggins, he's a hall of famer. You're not taking him out of the hall of fame, but what pressure exists on Huggins and even the program to at least win one NCAA tournament game, at least try to make some noise here with now a veteran group after changing the tune of this team from last year being so bad and certainly to make sure they do get in the field. Yeah, honestly, I think the biggest thing for this program is just making the tournament. I know fans will roll their eyes and think that the expectation should be a sweet 16, but when you think about what they had last year in March, they were left with Kedrian Johnson and four undeveloped freshmen. Like they had nothing. (laughs) And then in the last six months, they lost it. Eric Martin to South Carolina State, and then they dismissed Larry Harrison. So they flipped their staff as well. <laughs> yeah. like, right. This is a whole different. This is a whole different teams twelve months ago, and West Virginia's staff went out and got four portal guys who were 
arguably four out of the five of the best players with Kedra and Johnson. So it, it's I really don't I really don't think it's worthy to criticize the program if they don't win in the tournament. I think this is a building point. I think you can go into the portal. They're going to have to go into the portal again this year. Yeah, regardless, so, they have to go back in the portal. Yeah, yeah. Have and just looking, just kind of like looking at who could return for West Virginia next year. Obviously, transfer portal. You never know who's going to come back, but it, it's going to be it's going to be a lot more than Kedrian Johnson and four freshmen. So yeah, and maybe uh, Jose Perez will be a part of the team because now yeah. we're actually hearing rumblings that he is going to stay aboard, which was a question mark and still is. But that would obviously be a nice piece to have. Yeah, I just I just don't think it's fair to I know fans are impatient. I get it. Yeah. This yeah. team hasn't been to the Sweet Sixteen in five years, but when you look at them actually evolving and recruiting through the transfer portal and getting two new assist or promoting one assistant and hiring a new assistant and then pretty much flipping the entire roster, just making the NCAA tournament this year is a success. And I think that's fair. Be especially because you have to, and, and Ethan, we can preach this, but the fans are never going to really adjust to this probably because it is so difficult and they know the past. But because of the transfer portal in both football and basketball, you do really fairly have to take each individual season separately and pretend like the past didn't exist at all because the whole rosters could be totally different. Like it's hard to put last year on this team. Eric Stevenson, the best player on this team wasn't even on campus last year. So obviously they're built different, even if it's just that one piece, but it's several others too. However, when you go to, it's been five years to the Sweet 16, and then you look at the road Big 12 record, and they got one recently that could send them to the NCAA tournament, but it's been few and far between. None last year, two this year. Yeah, there's quad one wins, there's top 15 wins, but they're basically all at home. The minutes are even different on the road. It seems like a totally different vibe on the road. If they would somehow lose a play-in game or lose right away in the NCAA tournament, I'm sure the critics are going to be there. But in reality, this team has been totally flipped. The coaching staff has been totally flipped. And if you also hear from what the program's saying and you look at the other news off the court that we're also covering at WVSN, the moves are about the future as well. They're going to go have to back, go back in the portal to replace Stevenson and a few others, win, lose, or draw. And DeMar Johnson coming aboard is about the next 20 years of the program probably and recruiting certain areas more so than this particular season. And they're saying things like that. So you have to take it all into consideration and and see where they are. But there's enough history there that if you get into that, where the national media is going to put the graphic up of longest droughts of, you know, sweet 16 appearances, et cetera. West Virginia doesn't want to be in a situation where it's been 10 years in the sweet six without the sweet 16 or anything like that. Even if the rosters are different because there's so many appearances throughout the program history and you go three out of four years, they, it almost was like West Virginia fans got a little spoiled there. They almost felt like it was a birthright for a while to get in the sweet 16. And it's much harder than you would think. It's also not been that far removed from a tournament win, even though it was not a tournament they did advance far. Ethan Bach, Mike Osti now, before we close up shop on this bubble show, and then they do have a game ahead here to end this regular season, and then, of course, the Big 12 tournament. So a lot of this could change because if they go on a streak and if they get hot, obviously that's what you want in March, a lot of madness could shake up, whether it be themselves or what's around them. But West Virginia is in a situation where they could actually turn this into a special year. 
and they're pretty comfortable to get in the NCAA tournament as we speak right now, ahead of the final game of the regular season and after the Rhode Iowa State win. Despite 13 losses, despite a very inconsistent team, really, from what we've watched, despite going 0 for 5 to open up conference play, despite firing an assistant coach that had been with the program for a decade, despite just criticism and inconsistency all abound in a real roller coaster year. Not common to be comfortable after all of that. Those are things of a year that goes off the rails and you're rebooting all over again and you miss the tournament. They're comfortable because, as we've talked about, the conference is so not even just tough. It's freaking brutal. It is a gauntlet. They're all quad one games. Any of these teams could make a run, and any of these teams can make a run in the conference tournament or the NCAA tournament if you catch them on the right night. And in comparison to a lot of these other bubble teams, even another team that we cover throughout our family of networks and Pitt, who is in the ACC, they've been winning a lot more often. They had a win streak going on. It's been a while for them to get in the tournament too, but they actually feel like if you watch those games, Ethan, they're a legit team. They're built properly. They have a legit point guard. They have pieces. They can make a tournament run as well. And it feels like if you're just watching them, that they've been more consistent than West Virginia. But their schedule has been easier. They haven't, I believe they've faced eight quad one opponents. West Virginia, I believe, has 18. That's an insane difference. The ACC, normally a powerhouse conference with Duke and North Carolina, but they're not who they used to be. North Carolina hasn't really even been good, and that's one of Pitt's better wins this year. Duke is not who they were under Coach K. You're not getting the normal ACC. It's very down. Computers say it's down. And they've been on the bubble. They're going to get in, but the seed line is like the same as West Virginia, despite way more victories and more consistent play. Schedules are different, and West Virginia even beat them pretty convincingly by 25-plus earlier in the season. That's what Eric Stevenson has been complaining about. And it's not even just Pitt. There's a lot of other teams you could bring up into this conversation, and it lends itself to debate on whether the computers are too involved in college basketball, whether the NET and other rankings like that are too involved because you have teams losing and getting to 13 losses and actually moving up and getting comfortable. That's hard to make sense for some fans. Does college basketball need a change? Are they going too much in the direction of just obsessing over computers? Is analytics too involved in deciding who gets in the tournament and ranking teams in college basketball? Or is this how it needs to be done to make it fair since schedules aren't fair and conferences are completely unequal as well? Yeah, the net rankings are still really young. It's only third year using them. So obviously there's going to be some flaws in them. Uh, it really benefits the Power Five teams or about Power Five conferences, except the ACC this year. It seems like it seems like no matter what Pitt does, they can't move up. But at the same time, it just also depends on the net factors a lot of importance on win margin and also where you're playing the game, whether it's home, neutral court, or on the road. So if when Pitt's winning by eight points against an 11 win Georgia Tech team, yeah, they're going to get affected. But if West, uh, if West Virginia beats Oklahoma State by 20, that, that will benefit Pitt because they played West Virginia earlier in the year. That's so true. Pitt, yeah. Pitt just needs to root for their non-conference opponents, win or loss. Uh, Northwestern's really helped them out with that win. So, um, But just, yeah, I, I think the net rankings, they benefit the Power 5 schools as well as the Big East schools. It's harder for a mid-major team to – to rise at all in the rankings, unless you're Houston, uh, who's 
only has only has a couple losses all year. So, yeah, there's some flaws. I do think they should be used by the committees no matter what in the tournament. Um, but like I said, it's the third season of using them. Obviously, it's going to take a while to get it perfect. And it, and even even at its peak, it's not going to be perfect. But I I think I think it really benefits the teams that actually play those one and two seed type talent teams all season like West Virginia has. It really benefits. It really benefits yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, and, and of course, it's not like West Virginia is putting this schedule together, to to be fair. The, the conference is just so freaking brutal. Yeah, they played Auburn out of conference. They played Purdue. They lost to Purdue. They beat Auburn. One top 15 win, a real close game against Purdue, who eventually became a number one. But in terms of the beef of the schedule, it's in-conference play. It's so many quad one opponents in the Big 12. And it's not like West Virginia signed up for it necessarily, but they're in it. And you got to fair it up because, yeah, they're playing so many more quad one opponents. And I also think people don't understand why teams move up or maybe would move down based on a win or a loss with the way the net rankings now are. Because if you go into a game and you're supposed to win by 30 and you win it by six, the computers, the net rankings, and really even Lenardi, if you hear them, like the old heads who've been around for 30 years, they're kind of getting used to the way it is now they're saying to themselves the same thing you say to yourself as a fan watching the game. And everyone who watches the game with a team that's supposed to win big that barely wins, you say to yourself, Ethan, wow, they didn't play as well as I thought they would. Maybe they're not as good as I thought they would. We're going to be. And they're saying, yeah, that's, I think so too. So I'm going to move them down despite winning. And if you're in a game like West Virginia was on the road against Kansas in Lawrence, and you're not supposed to win, and nobody says you're going to win, regardless of Vegas, you're just not supposed to win, and you have a chance in the final possession, even though you kind of maybe arguably screw it up, where you're only down two and you could tie it, and you play really well in that game right with them to where Bill Self says, I don't know how the hell they're not a tournament team. They could have beat us and maybe could beat us tomorrow. Then you're going to probably move up because even though you lost, you were playing better than people expected you to be, and you mentioned Pitt, Georgia Tech. But yeah, Pitt... Pitt's had a lot of wins, but they've had a lot of wins in close games. So once they got that winning streak, people were starting, the computers were starting to say, well, Pitt should be winning bigger if they're a tournament team, but they were still squeaking by. So yeah, they beat out, they they blew out Syracuse. That's nice. You're supposed to. But that's why you're not going to move up big when you blow out Syracuse, because that was brought up too. Like, well, we just won by 20 plus. Why are we not, you know, moving up 50 points into the NAT top 25, regardless of the AP, even when they get there in the AP finally. Well, it's because you're supposed to beat Syracuse like that. Everybody else is, and Syracuse lost real bad the game after. So that's kind of how to make sense of it. I will say, though, Ethan, on a devil's advocate perspective, outside of just not understanding it, because I do think a lot of the debate exists of either not understanding it fully or people that just are mad about it because it's not helping their team. But the other devil's advocate perspective could be if it should stay or not in college basketball, you did say that it really benefits Power 5 teams. While I get that being fair, because the Big 12 has so many quad one teams, the Power 5 teams have tougher schedules just based on conference play. I mean, there were many, many years where Gonzaga was a great team in the country, but they didn't have anywhere near tough of a schedule as some others because their conference was obviously weaker. So I get it being fair, but the NCAA tournament is also built off moments. It's so popular because it's a casual fan thing that the Cinderella stories are a big part of its history and is doing it this way, making those more difficult. And will they have 
happen less often? And is that then a negative? Yeah, if it does happen more often, it is a negative. I don't think any fan wants to see Wisconsin and Oklahoma State play in Dayton for a chance to beat a six seed. They want to see an Oral Roberts or right. uh, Florida, yeah. Florida Atlantic, just an, another team that can come in and be a 12 seed or a 13 seed and make a sweet 16 run. So, yeah, I mean, for the, for the, for the teams that aren't in the power five or the big East, it's, it's hard to get an at large bid. If you look at the American right now, Houston's obviously number one in the country, but then other than that, it's just Memphis. Memphis has an opportunity to get an at large bid, but like, <laughs> what what fun is that? What fun is that watching Houston get a one seed and Memphis kind of limp their way into the tournament if they even make it? Yeah, it's it it it, it screws over the group of five schools. It also screws over uh, just any other conference that can put in multiple teams. Mountain West is one of those group of five schools that have really took advantage of the net rankings and yeah. strategically scheduling, and they have a better net average than the whole ACC. So. As long as and that, long as that's usually, that's brought up, yeah, that's brought up by ACC people that how is forget West Virginia and the Big Twelve. Let's go to the Mountain West. How is this mid-major conference getting better NET rankings than us? Any net better net rankings than us? But yeah, it, they beeped it up. They're they're that's a deep conference. They have four or five schools that can make the tournament. So, and then when you're topped off by San Diego State, who can are they're a dark horse Final Four team. They're a really good team. <laughs> so when you have when you have that mixed with four other schools that can make the tournament and they have the talent to. Yeah. The, the mountain West, the mountain West deserves to have three, four teams into the tournament. So it just, it just, it's how the group of five schools that can get multiple bids. It's how they, it's how they uh, strategize going forward with the net. Yeah. And it almost makes me wonder because VCU, those type of stories, going through the NCAA tournament, making really surprise Final Four, George Mason making real surprise runs. Butler, if those don't happen anymore because those teams are just in horrendous seed lines or not in at all because they can't get out, they can't get at large bids if they don't win their conference tournament, that probably would be a negative even though this system seems more fair to teams that are actually playing tougher schedules. So just my only wondering is is there any way to have a system that exists that respects the strength of schedule of teams because you got to to be fair and also doesn't hurt mid-majors and allows the Cinderella stories to exist? I mean, that might be you know harder for us to figure out here in the final seconds of the show, but is there any way that marries that that together? <laughs> well, luckily, the luckily there's humans that actually are on the committee board and it's not robots. Right. If the robots were determining the the seed lines, <laughs> it would be a three seed. So, um, but I mean, the committee's going to use the net. It's not all that they use, but it's one of the factors that they'll use to determine seed lines. But yeah, um, luckily we have humans who watch the games, and they also have they also play eye test. So some of those mid major teams will make the tournament, and they will be in a favorable position to go on a Cinderella run. It's still there. It still exists. It's just there is a fear that if it continues like this and the net rankings do keep getting prioritized and, and then the net rankings keep prioritizing the power five schools. Yeah, there is a fear that it could be all power five schools and the big East schools taking at large bids. Yeah, especially because with conference realignment, 
I mean, Houston is that team that's not a power five team that maybe right now is fighting in there, obviously, and certainly could could make a run, but they're going to join the Big 12. So you're going to have teams that right now are floundering on the outside that are really good programs that are joining power five programs. So it's going to leave almost nobody who's a mid-major out, you know, as a legit contender, except for maybe Gonzaga in terms of college basketball and, and, and who knows. So maybe the answer is, I guess, and do what Gonzaga had to do for so many years. It took Gonzaga basically forcing one of the tougher out-of-conference schedules in the country to get that one seed that eventually allowed them to get to Final Fours and and plus. Maybe those teams, those out of those those non-power five teams, are going to have to make their out-of-conference schedule just brutal because the in-conference schedule is going to be easier than everybody else from power five schools, and it takes years to build to that. But maybe that's the only recipe if we do stay with the net rankings of you, if your conference is down or and you don't know that ahead of time, or you're a mid-major, you need to make sure the out-of-conference is pretty strong but yeah I, people don't look at the other side of the coin though because yeah the acc is really down and it is screwing pit despite winning but they actually in all reality are benefiting from west virginia being a team the computers love because yeah they lost but that's not going to be viewed as really a problem for pit at all i mean they're going to view that as a quality loss with west virginia being a tournament so it's just it's just a double-edged sword but you never know this year and that's why we are now in the madness of march and that's why march i'm sure is going to bring tons of madness to the table just as this entire season has brought to the table ethan bach mike Osti hit up wb sports now for our coverage of the mountaineers through the rest of the season through the big 12 tournament ethan will be there and then through the nc tournament wherever it brings west virginia and then obviously onward and upward after the season because there's going to be questions that are going to be concerns and there's going to be madness on and off the floor, no matter what the final result is. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.